Get ready to be jolted out of the ordinary and into a world where conversations are charged with intensity and facts. The Lightning Strike Talk Radio with your host, Mohammed Fahim, broadcasting live from the heart of the city on Chicago's Progressive Talk Radio, WCPT 820 AM. Welcome to a radio show that charges through the airwaves with an electricity like no other. Here's your host, Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, Chicago. Good frozen morning. And uh, part of, uh, you know, getting into journalism is showing up. Okay. So in spite of it being like minus 30 or whatever on the wind chill, John and I are in the studio today. And uh, you are welcome to call in. The number to call in is 773-763-9278. Ken DeLuke could not make it. He had uh, car problems. At least uh, that is what his excuse is. And uh, Ken, good morning. Uh, Did your phone start or not? Howdy, folks. Um, Yeah, the phone's working, but the car isn't. Unfortunately, I'm stuck here. So, uh, folks, we got a a full uh, day plan. I mean, full day. Yeah, full hour plan again for today. No matter what the weather is outside, Uh, we are sitting in here uh, warm and snug. With me in the studio is uh, John Arena. Good morning. Good to see you all. And... uh, Joining us shortly would be Michelle Alfano. She'll be calling in to give an update on what's happening with uh, Eric's case and also talking about some of these statistics in our prison system as to how uh, how much money we are spending, what is happening with, uh, with, with our prison system, is there any reformation working, uh, what the heck is happening with our money. The other thing that I wanted to, uh, to talk about today is uh, obviously uh, the the Middle East and what is happening with the International Court of Justice. Uh, surprisingly enough, Ken, the, the Western media did not cover South Africa's presentation at the International Court of Justice. They just uh, presented or covered the, the Israeli version the next uh, day or so, which is uh, kind of strange, but not so strange. Not so strange. Yeah. <clears throat> and they can tend to get deference. <laughs> okay. So uh, we, we are still uh, letting uh, the United States of Israel, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, tell us or tell our media what should be reported and what should not be reported. Uh, folks, there's a lot of things happening out there. Uh, yesterday, there was a big rally in Washington and in London. Uh, it was uh, a day of protest to ask for an immediate ceasefire. I don't know why we are not calling for an immediate ceasefire. That should be at least the bare minimum. Uh, you think it is cold in Chicago? It is very cold right now in the Middle East also. And the temperatures can really plummet, John. I've mm-hmm. been there. And these people don't have anything to eat. They don't have any shelter. They don't have any fuel. The least we can do, Mr. President, is call for a ceasefire. I don't know what's keeping you, man, from asking for a ceasefire. And our friends at Fox News carried a headline saying rioters protested in front of the White House. There was no riots. Okay, so this is how these guys are messing up the psyche of the nation. Uh, We also have our person of the week, 
which is Shelly, and uh, uh, Sheila White would be introducing Shelly as our person of the week, and she will talk about some of the great things that Shelly is is doing for the community. Uh, also wanted to talk about uh, the PAC money. What are the PACs? Why is, uh, you know, individuals or these political action committees, how were they formed? Why are they allowed to put in millions of dollars into buying our representatives? Uh, John, you want to start off with uh, some background on what a PAC is? Sure. Um, so there's <clears throat> most people have probably heard of something like this. Super PACs are, are always in the the news. Uh, you know, these are these are funds, and there's different kinds. There's segregated. Uh, fund packs and non-segregated fund packs, and each of them have different rules. Super PACs uh, get talked about a lot because they can take unlimited amount of funds from corporations, individuals, um, and other political action committees. Uh, but, you know, they get used by labor unions, but they also get used by um, moneyed interests. Um, the Koch brothers control a number of super PACs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the, the so so they get used on both sides of the political spectrum, um, and they're designed to allow for uh, um, what's supposed to be independent expenditures from an individual candidate's campaign, and they're not supposed to coordinate with an individual campaign on messaging. Now that okay. doesn't mean that there aren't signals sent <laughs> through okay. the ether <laughs> to say, hey, we're happened to be talking about this today, and all of a sudden a pack ad comes out. So uh, there's there's ways to kind of fungi- that, that make that fungible in terms of where that coordination happens. Okay, and then you've got individuals like the Koch brothers or this guy Bill Ackman now. Okay, this guy yeah. says he's going to be spending $100 million <clears throat> to make sure that the squad you know, does not get reelected and they get uh, primary challenges. And these are the congresswomen of yeah. the, the like the AOCs of the Correct. world. Correct. Okay. So my my point is this, folks. Why are we? I mean, where 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 did these things come from? I know that it came through a Supreme Court decision and the AFL CIO and all of those things that you were talking about this morning. Yeah, back in 1943, there was a, that the, they couldn't just take individual contributions and right. uh, and you know. So there was came out of the labor movement, um, and I think uh, we were talking a little bit before Citizens United kind of supercharged. Uh, the use of PACs, uh, that's when they kind of became this tool for corporate money to go in in large amounts into these PACs. I think that's what really set fire underneath the cauldron, if you will, because before that, corporations couldn't really, you know, donate unlimited funds. And then once they were determined to be uh, entities unto themselves that had First Amendment rights, mm-hmm. that kind of opened the floodgates. And these PACs are ways that corporations can donate and people can donate unlimited funds uh, without oversight because they don't have to disclose. Something is wrong, folks. Something is wrong. Something is screwed up in uh, our political systems over here. And it is time that... I don't know if you guys remember uh, John Roberts back in the day. um, You know, he had uh, very vocally uh, at the State of the Union address, um, you know, just called out uh, Barack Obama saying... You know, liar because of the Citizens United, um, you know, decision that they came up with. And that's probably the most impactful thing against, you know, freedom and against what we need to, um, 
you know, have in terms of our um, our electorate. That's like the most, you know, the, the craziest decision ever, as far as that goes. I don't know. Um, yeah, the constitutionality of it, you know, being settled by the by the Supreme Court, that corporations are like me or you, and they're clear, you know, they're not. But in here, terms John, of reach uh, and scope. you know, you, you and I can only donate up to what twenty seven or twenty nine hundred or something uh, to uh, an individual's campaign, right? Depends on the level of government. Right. Congress is five thousand dollars for an individual. Okay, so if if we have a limit, why not uh, the the corporations? Well, the corporation is limited to make a direct contribution of five thousand dollars, right? Right, or I think might be ten thousand corporations, but it's still there is limits, and this is this is the game, right? Yes, I'll give you the five thousand dollars, I'll give you ten thousand, but then I'm going to put a hundred thousand into the super PAC that's going to align with your policy positions and and support that, and so it is a way around, a workaround around those limitations that Congress needs to act in terms of reforming po- po- money and politics. Oh, do you think Congress is going to act? Oh, yeah, they're oh. all over Oh, yeah, they're, they're all over so it. on top okay. of, you know, once they, once they fund the government and fund, okay. fund uh, Ukraine and fund Israel, they'll get right yeah. to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll get right to it. Uh, you know, uh, folks, I mean, the, the whole system is screwed up, okay? And we have allowed that to happen. Why don't we come out and vote? And that's the, the the bare minimum that we can do is come out and vote, okay? Register to vote, come out and vote. The voter turnout in our country is abysmal, to say the least. 20, Especially when it's negative 30 degrees out. <laughs> and we got the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. Talk about that, John. <laughs> yeah, so what is it? Uh, it's like... Okay. I don't know. It's like it's like zero degrees here in Chicago. And, and last night watching the news, they were predicting across Iowa, the average was negative 20 to negative 30 degrees with the wind chill. So uh, just knowing what what a little bit of rain does to, to turn out here in Chicago, I kind of think the caucuses are going to be a little thin this year. <laughs> Well, uh, they are saying that the results are expected around 7.45 p.m. CST tomorrow. Okay. And uh, Ryan Binkley, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, and Nikki Haley. Oh, goodness. And, uh, you know, our big... dropped out. Yeah, our our big elephant in the room. I don't know what the big (laughs) elephant is doing. Okay. (laughs) Can we say his name? No. Uh, Well... (laughs) The devil's advocate. How the about devil's that? Advocate. They're <laughs> okay. just the devil. <laughs> but this is the this is how our country is being run, folks, and we have allowed that to happen. Okay, uh, we'll take a quick break and come back on the other side of the break uh, with uh, a quick report from Michelle, and uh, then we will continue our conversations today. The number to call in is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Are you a business looking for the right talent or a job seeker searching for your dream career? Look no further than the Center for Strategic Solutions, your workforce solutions expert. Our experienced team at the Center for Strategic Solutions is dedicated to connecting employers with top-tier talent and helping job seekers find opportunities that truly align with their goals. We're more than just consultants. We're your partners in success. Ready to take your workforce to the next level or land that ideal job? Contact the Center for Strategic Solutions today at 1-847-306-9274 or www.cfssus.com. 
the Center for Strategic Solutions, empowering employers and job seekers for success in the heart of Chicago. Did you know there's an Illinois mandate that states by 2025, ComEd has to have 25% of the energy they deliver come from a green source? Because of this, plus the fees and taxes you've already paid on this program, if you qualify, you can get solar on your home at no out-of-pocket cost. This can mean an average savings on your electric bill of maybe 30 to 50%. More importantly, it would eliminate the uncertainty of ComEd raising your rates by whoever knows how much each year. Some people have noticed a 41% increase on their bill this spring, and ComEd has been asking for another 80% increase over the next four years. If your average bill is 200 bucks a month now, maybe it could be reduced to 100 bucks a month. Now, five years, would you rather pay 115 or possibly four to 500? If you'd like to see if you can qualify for this program, call Kendall Luke at 312-617-8979. That's 312-617-8979. Help us save the environment and change that electric bill burden. That's 312-617-8979. Take advantage of this program while it's still available. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Okay, folks, uh, welcome back to the Lightning Strike. Uh, and the number to call in is 773-763-9278. Good frozen Sunday morning to you guys. Uh, stay warm, and if you... Really, really want to save your pipes and all of that. Make sure that you have a trickle of water going, especially in the kitchen sink. And uh, keep those uh, doors open for the cabinets in the in, under the sink. Yeah. yeah. Th- those are things that, that you need to be very, very cognizant of. And uh, let's see. We got uh, Michelle Alfano uh, calling in uh, again to give an update on what's happening with the, with the prison system. Michelle, good morning. Welcome to the Lightning Strike. Good morning, Mohammed and team. So I would like to just remind people, or they may not know, that in the United States, we have approximately 2 million people incarcerated. And that covers federal prisons, state prisons, jails, youth detention, civil commitment, the ICE detention, parole, probation. So we're talking, I'm talking about the Eric Strain case, but this case is representative of thousands of people. So in Iowa, Eric Strang is incarcerated in Newton Correctional Facility, which is a treatment facility under the direction of Beth Skinner, the director of the Department of Corrections. And here's an example of what treatment looks like at a treatment center. You wait about five years to get into this treatment, and it's dead time. You just wait. Then you get your treatment, which is a six-month program. And even then, a lot of days are canceled for snow days and holidays, so it's not even six months of intense treatment. In Eric's case, when he finished the program in 2022, he was told, we're going to do a further review on you, and that will be a seven-year wait. So the topic I'm talking about today is dead time, and it's dead time at taxpayer expense. So when you've done your treatment and you've done your time, and when I say time, sentences have minimum mandatories. So in Eric's case, 
He got a 34-year sentence, but by 2017, he was eligible for release. So he has done everything the system has asked of him, particularly this treatment program that takes years to get into. But he's done his sentence time, his minimum, plus seven years after that. And he's done all the different programs that they have, apprenticeships and different Mm -hmm. mentoring and different classes. So... It's a real concern when we have people doing dead time, just sitting idly in a prison setting with no programs available now. He's done everything. And this brings us to the question of, are we punishing the crime or, or should we really address the cause? So Eric landed in this situation because of underage drinking Mm -hmm. on the Iowa State University campus at age 19. Mm -hmm. And at what point do we say, Iowa State University, you are allowing, turning the other cheek, very prevalent underage drinking on your campus. And that's a national problem. We know it's happening at so Mm -hmm. many universities. Mm-hmm. And kids who are drinking excessively with no supervision, and it's illegal, they shouldn't even be drinking until after age 21, they're getting into problems. And then when they get into the problem, rather than addressing the cause of the problem and saying, we need some transformative justice here, we need kids doing community service or job training or apprenticeships or learning from their mistakes. Rather than doing that, the system we have right now is punishing severely the crime. And we're using tax dollars for prisons and police and attack dogs and bulletproof vests and mace holding people to the excessive amount of time that we can well, Does it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a business. <laughs> it's a business, Michelle, and we know Absolutely. that. Okay, the prison system has become the prison industrial complex now. Uh, it's basically keeping those beds full so that these people can get uh, reimbursed and they have a job. And uh, exactly. that system needs to change, folks. We will be focusing on this throughout the rest of the year, if needed. Till change happens, okay? And the best yeah. thing that Mohammed, you can do is... Let me, <clears throat> let me jump in, Mohammed. Let me tell you something important before we go. Uh, on January 9th, Governor Kim Reynolds gave her condition of the state address. And she spoke to her people of her state, Iowa. And there was no mention whatsoever of the prison system in Iowa, where, as I said, we have 17,000 people being held, and each one of those people has families who are impacted. So we're, we're talking about a huge group of people. Now, she did say that we should hold the government accountable. She didn't say anything else about prison systems or or criminal justice reform, not one word about it. But I really want to hold her to those words of holding government accountable. Absolutely, Michelle. So and we will continue to, to we'll continue to uh, 
to follow up on this. And it's not just uh, the Iowa system, folks. Even the Illinois IDOC is screwed up, and we know that. And we are digging into it. We'll bring you more information as soon as our investigations are completed. Okay. And uh, coming back now. Let us see, uh, who is Patrick? I have a Patrick on, on hold over here, Dylan. And uh, unless it is uh, somebody that is calling in to talk about some of the subjects that we are discussing. Uh, Patrick, good morning. You are on the air. And is that a wrong name that I'm saying? What can I do for you, my friend? Hello, sir. Hi. Uh, I'm actually waiting to speak with, uh, along with Shelly Skaz. Okay. Person of the week. Okay, wonderful, Patrick. Thank you uh, for clarifying that. Uh, we'll wait for, for Sheila to call in, and Sheila is the segment producer. And every time, folks, every week, we try to focus on a person of the week, somebody that is uh, doing something exceptional to give back to the community, and uh, we want to recognize their contributions to the community. So, uh, John, coming back to our uh, discussion that we started off with, the ICJ, the International Court of Justice now, on Friday, heard Israel's defense against allegations by South Africa mm-hmm. uh, that it had carried out acts of genocide in Gaza on the second day of the hearings that were live streamed for the world to watch. Unfortunately, Western media did not live stream, you know, except for a couple of uh, places. Uh, there was... No coverage. Yeah, just, okay. Yeah, CNN had just kind of mentioned that it was going on. I've heard some, on NPR some a little bit of commentary about it, but yeah. very limited. Nearly 25,000 people have been killed, okay, uh, in Gaza since October 7th. Almost 10,000 of them children. Thousands more are lost under the rubble and presumed dead. Now, South Africa claims that Israel has breached the 1948 Genocide Convention in its war on Gaza. And on Thursday, the legal team acting for South Africa requested that the court issue emergency measures to stop the continuing aerial bombardment and ground invasion of the Strip. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm unable to understand, again, folks, don't get me wrong, okay, this is all about trying to find a solution for things. Why do we allow people in our country to have dual citizenships. That is something that I'm unable to understand. Our secretaries, uh, you know, Secretary Blinken is a dual citizen. Mm-hmm. So if you are a dual citizen, where do your loyalties lie, man? That is a question that I would like to bring up. Okay. Uh, the request for provisional measures was the crux of this week's proceedings. And... Uh, you know, Secretary Blinken is just pushing it under the rug and saying, hey, you know, nothing, nothing happened. You know, nothing to nothing to to see there, folks. Now, in its Friday counter submission now, Israel's representatives led by the British lawyer uh, and academic Malcolm Shaw, uh, King's counsel, mm-hmm. argued that South Africa's application distorted under quotes, decontextualized under quotes, Tel Aviv's military actions in Gaza, and that in accusing Israel of genocide, Pretoria was, again, under quotes, diluting the meaning of the crime. <laughs> I mean, here are Israel's main counter-arguments. And a look, uh, let's look at where they stand up, folks. And if you want to call in uh, and, uh, and chime in, the number to call in, 
WCPT or 763-9278. So Israel is arguing that Hamas attacks on army outposts in surrounding villages in southern Israel, as well as the taking of hundreds of captives on October 7, is what started the Gaza war. And that Israel has a right to defend itself under international law. Now, Tal Becker, an advocate for the Israeli team, told the court that the genocide convention was drawn up in the aftermath of the mass killings of Jews in the Holocaust and that the phrase, never again, is one of the highest moral obligations for Israel. Now, this is Israel's uh, arguments. Okay, By requesting an interim order against Israel's invasion, Becker said, South Africa is trying to deny Israel the opportunity to meet this obligation to the captives taken and to the Israelis displaced after the October 7 attacks from communities near the border with Gaza. Okay. But Neil Simons now, the senior campaigner on Palestine uh, at the human rights organization War on Want, uh, says that Israel's arguments are weak. Of course, both South Africa and human rights organizations like us condemn the killing of civilians and taking of hostages, Simons says. But this is no way justifies the response from Israel. And Ken, you have been saying that also in our conversations during the past week, uh, you know, past couple of weeks now, as an occupying force, Israel yeah, does yeah, not I have mean, the right to self-defense. That argument does not hold water. All right. Let, let's look at the numbers. I mean, the numbers are ridiculous, okay? On uh, October 7th, there were 1,200 Israelis that were killed with the attack. But since then... Uh, Israeli forces have killed, as of last week, it's probably bigger now, over 22,000 Gazans. Or oh, 24,000 and counting. 24,000 and counting. Yeah, 24,000, right. Over 9,100 are children. Uh, 57,000 persons have been wounded, and at least uh, 7,000 are reported missing, okay? And who knows how many are trapped under the rubble. So, I mean, there is a order of magnitude greater for the response than what actually happened to Israel, and they've completely blown this thing out of proportion. You know, I understand you want to go after terrorists, but there are better ways of doing that than just committing genocide, which is basically what's going on here. Well, here's the thing, Ken. The ICJ had in 2003 ruled that an occupying power cannot complain the right to self-defense. In a case involving uh, Israel's construction of a separation wall in the occupied West Bank, Israel does not consider itself to be an occupying power, okay, since its disengagement from Gaza in 2006. The UN and a variety of human rights organizations have rejected this claim, however, while international legal scholars have been divided about whether Gaza was occupied, quote, under quotes, according to international law. Now, the Israeli legal team has said that South Africa's accusations that Tel Aviv has an inherent intent to destroy the Palestinian people are based on random assertions. (laughs) The random assertions of the leadership (laughs) of the IDF, who have said that they need to hunt down and kill and and associating all Palestinians with Hamas. Yeah, and some of the most revealing statements now, uh, John, were made by the president and the prime minister and the defense minister and other key decision makers of Israel now. Uh, But in his presentation... Uh, the King's Council, uh, you know, Mr. Shaw, has said that the statement made by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and alluding to Amalek, remember that? Mm-hmm. The biblical reference 
which was cited specifically by uh, by the South African team on Thursday, have been taken out of context. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course. Well, they have, I think, as Ken pointed out, they have a ratio problem. So their claim yeah. is, and even this has been disputed, the 1,200. But let's, le- let's say 1,200 people died in that attack on October 7th. Let's just... You know, seed that for the for the moment. We're at twenty four thousand. So the the question is, what's the value of a? You know, does does Israel want us to to do a value comparison? Say, what's the value of an Israeli life to the value of a Palestinian life? And how many of those? You know, I mean, maybe they're claiming five thousand Hamas uh, militants have been killed in these attacks to take up. You know, bring okay. us down to nineteen thousand. Palestinian men, women, and children have been killed. So what's the ratio of vengeance that you're allowed to get before you start oh, saying, okay, yep. and, and I think the argument of, well, we're not an occupying force is being debated, but when you control all fuel, all, all supplies, all medicines, all things about how life is yep. executed in uh, Gaza, whether you can work or not, is all up to the Israeli government. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, uh, Shaw also went on to complete the statement by saying that uh, the Israeli milis- uh, military is the most moral army and does everything to avoid the killing of innocents. Okay, I'm just quoting him verbatim over here. Yeah, now, in available clips of the recording, though, <clears throat> Netanyahu does not say those words. Okay, uh, after referring to the Bible story, uh, Netanyahu does not say those things. Right. Uh, he said, our brave troops and combatants who are now in Gaza and other regions of Israel are joining this chain of Jewish heroes. I mean, come on, folks. You don't take, you know, things out of context. And then you come back and you argue that, oh, no, this is not what he said. This is not, uh, you know, Netanyahu says that uh, uh, a chain that had started 3,000 years ago from Joshua ben Nun until the heroes of 1948... <laughs> They have one supreme goal to completely defeat the murderous enemy. I mean, this is all rhetoric force, uh, and uh, he's just trying to hold on to his uh, to the to his seats, uh, you know, to his seat, uh, because he knows that oh, in, in Israel yesterday problem. there was a huge protest against Netanyahu. Also, mm-hmm. people want uh, this guy to go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he, he's under indictment in in Israel for for crimes, high crimes and misdemeanors there. So there's there's he's it feels like there's a lot of like he has to cover himself away and, and use something to distract mm-hmm. from his criminal actions in previous administrations. Um, it, it is stunning to me the arguments being made that and and even watching some of the video. I've, uh, Al Jazeera had a video clip. Uh, one of their reporters was in front of a hospital in Rafa, which is the f- yeah. far, you know, it's right up on that. That's the town that's uh, the crossing to the uh, Egyptian border. <clears throat> Four missiles, one in suc- each in succession on video, plummeted into the top of the hospital while this guy was on talking about how the hospital is the last refuge. So they've bombed every single hospital. And the argument is, yeah, but there might be militants in there. Or we found, you know, evidence. They're not on the ground. They're basically, this is through whatever intelligence they're saying, or they're just saying this is our justification. But when you're forcing people to kettle into the smallest you know, area of a seven-mile strip, right, wide strip, it's, oh, and, then, and then putting 
targeted missiles into the top of these hospitals. You can't make, in my opinion, you can't make an argument that you're trying to avoid civilian casualties when you're hitting them. If you're yeah, going to go in, you know, go ahead, Ken. The Lisam Vituri, deputy speaker of the Knesset, okay, and a member of the Foreign Affairs and Security Committee, he himself said, now we all have one common goal, erasing the Gaza Strip from the face of the earth. Okay? Yeah. I mean, really? That, that's just, you know, beyond the pale and where this whole situation yeah. Well, they would, they would argue that that was taken out of context. <laughs> yeah, every, everything Which, is taken out of context, okay? Uh, well, actually, that was a direct quote. Well, I, know, I know, but it was taken out of context, thing. okay? okay. Come on, man. Say, but hey, you didn't really understand what you I know, meant. <laughs> uh, this, this guy, the King's Counsel, Mr. Shaw, has said that uh, Pretoria had failed to communicate with Tel Aviv about the case before filing the application to the court as, as required by the court's rules. So there's a lack of jurisdiction now, okay? Uh, the Israeli representatives have claimed that South Africa had given it only a few days to respond to notification that it was committing genocide. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, they had notice enough to uh, <laughs> okay. to add a judge to the... They, they get... Israel has the right to add a judge to the 15... Uh, to the 15-judge uh, panel. the 15-judge, which they right. did, who's a former... He is a, a, a survivor of the Holocaust, and it's good that they have their own representation. But the, it, it kind of moots the argument that we didn't know this was coming when you had enough time <laughs> to seat your own judge. <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, so that is the dystopian world that we are living in today, okay? Uh, this whole thing... The media is managed. We know that. And that's where independent journalism comes in. So very uh, important in today's world, folks. Uh, please go to our website, www.tlschicago.com, and you'll see that there's a button for, for you to make a, a small donation to keep our show on the air. As you can see, we don't take uh, corporate advertising over here, but we do need uh, support to keep this thing going. You're going to start and, a super PAC? Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should look at this closer. <laughs> I, I I wish I wish. Okay. Uh, our whole intent. The thing, if, you, if, you do, if you if you do the super pack, you have to make sure there is no um, uh, meeting of the minds coalition that we're talking with each other. It's got to be completely independent. So. Okay. No jokes aside, folks. Our whole intent is to hold our elected representatives responsible for performing their duties. And I, I saw one of them come out the other day and said, uh, they get paid, uh, in Congress, they, paid, they get paid $174,000, okay? Plus free health care, free everything, uh, you name it. And uh, this lady is saying, uh, that's not enough money for me to perform my duties. Now, half of the time, you guys are, are there just dicking around, okay? You're not doing any work at all. Uh, they spent like days or hours talking about uh, Joe Biden's son. Okay. Yes, which is, a, I guess, uh, he, he, the guy who's never served a minute in public office okay. <laughs> is really the biggest threat to democracy. Yeah, have. biggest threat to democracy. And then, uh, the, you know, one of these uh, ladies is, is, is showing, you know, his, his pictures of his genitals. Oh, MTG, the, okay. the upstanding citizen, Marjorie okay. Taylor Greene. It's showing, you know, uh, the, the pictures of genitals in our 
in 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 our congressman. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to introduce pictures in the in this latest hearing. Yeah. She tried to introduce pictures of his genitals into the congressional record, like. We, we have lost so much decorum that no wonder nobody really looks at Congress and goes, yeah, that's a serious place anymore. Uh, yeah, we, we got a bunch of but jackasses John, up John, there, okay? John, seriously, John, what about the laptop? <laughs> yes, of course, that, that laptop. <laughs> the thing is this, Ken. I mean, you know, Joe Biden's son has no relevance to the importance of other issues in our country going on now, okay? Uh, this is crazy, crazy stuff that is going on in our elected office, uh, offices, folks. Does it seem like there's a thread of just trying to create noise over one over in one place about nothing in order to, you know, take people's attention away from the real issues that are affecting our democracy? Like yeah. and, uh, the performance of Congress to pass a budget and to stick to agreements that they make and for the former president to be held accountable okay. <laughs> for his crimes. Well, uh, we got Ron from Michigan calling in and Ron wants to talk about the Hamas conflict. And uh, Ron, go ahead. I mean, this is an open forum, man. If you want to disagree with some of the things that, that we say, Feel free if you want to agree. Good morning, All the more power to you. Good morning. I, I, I don't really want to disagree. I mean, I'll grant you uh, Israel is carrying out a genocidal policy. If we look at it from you know from the standpoint of uh, a ceasefire, or uh, we should be they should be fighting house to house and and not uh, indiscriminately bombing uh, civilians who are in the way. That's not the way they're going to do it. Okay, they mm-hmm. they uh, they have the firepower. They have. Uh, uh, they do not have the manpower to carry out a, a house-to-house conflict. They're, and as far as genocide goes, um, you know, if the other side had the means to commit genocide against the Israelis, they would do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they don't, and they are in a position where the Israelis, with the U.S., mm-hmm. has the power to uh, eliminate them. But the history—we have to go. Let me just go back to the history. Remember the Marine barracks bombing in Lebanon? Was that Hezbollah or uh, who who blew them up? I, I get confused with you know who who blew who up and, and that that one. But Reagan was the president, mm-hmm. and when that happened, he turned tail and he ran. You know he did not want to get involved with the Middle East, but um, I think it was Hezbollah. I can't. But at that point in time, I know Marine captain who who they had Hezbollah, whoever that was, the culprits targeted in, in the Baca Valley. And they're ready to eliminate them, but they had the orders, do not touch them. Mm-hmm. And if, not, if I'm not mistaken, it, the Israelis used those same people to work against the PLO. And, and, and now, Hezbollah, I guess it is, they are targeted for elimination. It, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle, and it, it, it's never-ending. And I don't have an answer, but... Uh, yeah, and uh, Ron, uh, you know, in, in, in that bombing in uh, in Beirut, uh, in Lebanon now, that was 1983, okay? 220 Marines and 18 U.S. Navy soldiers and three U.S. Army soldiers lost their lives uh, in the Marine barracks, uh, barracks at the Beirut airport. My question is... What were our soldiers and uh, our Marines doing there to begin with, man? Why are we trying to be the world's uh, policemen? And then uh, nothing happens to the to the children of our Congress people and our senators. They don't go out to fight, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, our, our former president obviously had a bone spur or something when wars were happening. So he never showed up to, to go fight for the country. Something is screwed up, Ron. And thank you so much for calling in. How's the weather in Michigan, man? 
oh, terrible. If, if you love snow, it's yeah, plenty of it and cold and wind, but uh, hey, uh, that's the way it goes, okay? I'm glad it's here instead of the global warming heat, okay? I don't like it one bit. But we need it, okay? <laughs> okay, well, at the thank moment. You for you know, thank you, Ron. Thank you for calling in. And, uh, folks, uh, we uh, will take a quick break, and you're listening to the Lightning Strike Talk Radio Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk Radio Station, WCPT AM 820. This is Mohammed Fahim. With me in the studio is John Arena. And uh, Ken has joined us over the phone today. He could not make it to the studio. We'll be right back. Hey folks, did you know there's a program in Illinois that if you qualify for it, would allow you to get solar installed in your home at no out-of-pocket cost? The benefit to you would be a reduction of your electric bill, possibly as high as 30 to 50 percent, and more importantly, you would take out the uncertainty of almost guaranteed future price increases imposed from your electric company. If you'd like to see if you can qualify for this program, call Ken Luke at 312-617-8979. That's 312-617-8979. Help us save the environment and change that electric bill burden. Are you a business looking for the right talent or a job seeker searching for your dream career? Look no further than the Center for Strategic Solutions, your workforce solutions expert. Our experienced team at the Center for Strategic Solutions is dedicated to connecting employers with top-tier talent and helping job seekers find opportunities that truly align with their goals. We're more than just consultants. We're your partners in success. Ready to take your workforce to the next level or land that ideal job? Contact the Center for Strategic Solutions today at 1-847-306-9274 or www.cfssus.com. The Center for Strategic Solutions, empowering employers and job seekers for success in the heart of Chicago. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, folks, and welcome back uh, to the Lightning Strike. And uh, before we go on to our Person of the Week, and uh, we actually have two people online from our Person of the Week, but, uh, John, you had a couple of things that you wanted to share with our audience. Oh, you want to talk about the? Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, we, we were talking about accountability on the show a lot, and uh, right now Trump is uh, – him and his lawyers are arguing uh, against uh, accountability. Um, what they're saying is that the president – is immune to all prosecution. And uh, maybe you can play clip one to get us started. Uh, this is the tr- their argument in front of the appeals court in D.C., okay. the Fifth Circuit, I believe. Sort of the implications of what you're arguing. I understand your position to be that a president is immune from criminal prosecution for any official act that he takes as president, even if that action is taken for an unlawful or unconstitutional purpose. Is that correct? With an, ex- with an important exception, which is that if the president is impeached and convicted by the United States Senate in a, you know, proceeding that reflects, you know, widespread political consensus, that would authorize the prosecution under the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause. Okay. So, yes, with that exception. So it seems to me that there are a lot of things that might not go through that process because it's quite a cumbersome process that requires the action of a whole branch of government that has a lot of different people involved. And so in your view, could a president 
So uh, uh, here's the thing, folks. This is a, an ongoing thing. I think yeah. we can uh, we should continue this next week uh, to go into more detail with some of the other clips. Yeah. Well, let me just give some context yeah. on that clip. So that was uh, Judge Michelle Pan, I believe is her name, um, and she's one of the, th- the three uh, judges that were questioning Trump's lawyer. And the, the fundamental there uh, of what they're trying to argue is that, and at least now what they're trying to argue mm-hmm. is that only if a president is convicted in the Senate after being impeached in the House, can he then be tried in in the civil side, right, in okay. criminal courts? Um, and she, Judge Pan goes on to uh, uh, ask a, a, a question about, so if he ordered, which is an executive, an executive order to have SEAL Team 6 murder a, or assassinate a political rival, it, it, and like asking him directly, like, this is a hypothetical the answer from the uh, from the attorney was yes, as long as he is he can be convicted and, and tried of that <clears throat> on the criminal courts if he's first impeached. Now we've seen impeachments far well, too this, often. This, this is going around in circles. That's the the going around in circles argument, yeah. right? <laughs> and and I mean it goes back to you know it's there's quite a few clips that I pulled of this. There's about a two hours on C-SPAN uh, of audio from this, and you could find it on from most major networks. But the, it's it's a good two hours of argument in of constitutional argument that I thought was fascinating. And now I'm a complete nerd for this stuff. So okay. maybe like John, you're a little weird. But. Well, uh, that's what we do, folks. Uh, we do a lot of research before we come on the air with you uh, guys over here. Remember, WCPT yeah, and, and John, is uh, the main point. Can, the main uh, point this, there's nowhere in the Constitution that what they're trying to say. I mean, Ken, uh, we will, uh, Ken, we will continue this uh, next week because we got uh, Sheila calling in and we got our person of the week. Uh, so here's what I was telling folks, that when we come on the air over here, we make sure that we are talking facts, okay? We don't make up things. Uh, we don't assume things. We don't take things for granted. We do our research before we sit down and talk to you. And uh, good morning, uh, Sheila. Thank you so much uh, for calling in and uh, also for bringing in our guest, uh, Shelly. And Shelly, thank you for coming on the air with us. And uh, Patrick, thank you for being so kind to hold all this time. Uh, Sheila, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mohammed and John. Um, with all the news going on today, I'm so happy about our person of the week who is bringing some sunshine into the community of Will County. Uh, Shelly, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about the great things that you're doing in Will County. Well, thank you, Sheila. Thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Shelly Skaz. I own the Healing Center and coping together in the ranch, and we're super excited to tell everybody about the new things that we're doing at the ranch in Frankfurt mm-hmm. on a beautiful 20-acre property. Um, we have equine therapy that we provide for um, the Healing Center, which is children and adolescents for mental health and ABA, and we have a pediatrician on staff. We have four locations, and the ranch being one of them. And then we also have Coping Together, and that's a not-for-profit that provides services to adults with intellectual disabilities. And we also provide counseling for individuals, group therapy, ABA, 
Um, and this is all through the Medicaid waiver through the Illinois Department of Human Services and the Division of mm-hmm. Developmental Disabilities in the state of Illinois. Shelly, so if someone wants to find out more information, how do they find you? Are, do you have a website? Do you have a phone number that you can share with us? Yeah, they can go to the ranchfrankfurt.com and they can see different things that we post, um, different services that we offer. And we have a group coming up, an Empathy and Compassion equine group that we're going to start hosting next week on Wednesday. And every week we do day programming um, through Coping Together. So it's super exciting. Okay, so the ranch. I'm, I'm Frankfurt. Type, type, I'm typing it in as, as, as you speak. So I want to say welcome to the ranch. Okay, so it's at 9436 West Tega Road in Frankfurt, uh, Illinois, folks. And uh, Shelly, you got uh, Patrick uh, as, uh, as a guest on the air with us. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce Patrick to us? Patrick, good morning. Yeah. Pat morning. O'Malley, he's our director of ABA services at the Healing Center and Coping Together. And he's been at the ranch with me for the past um, year, been with the Healing Center for about eight years now and coping mm-hmm. together. So we've made a lot of progress. But I want you to meet Pat and he can talk about the ABA therapy services that we offer. Patrick, good morning. Go ahead, please. What, what does ABA stand for? What does ABA stand for? What's the acronym? Yeah, hi, good morning. Uh, yeah, Applied Behavior Analysis. So ABA kind of cut its teeth primarily with uh, individuals with autism and that's, that's how it's more widely known. So we kind of go hand in hand. We're the only um, certified therapy to, uh, to work with slash treat kids with autism. Um, go ahead, Patrick. I think, uh, I think we lost Patrick. Uh, so, uh, Shelly, you want to continue what, what Patrick was saying? We just lost him. Yeah, so Pat provides the ABA services to adults with developmental disabilities and also with the Healing Center with children and adolescents. Um, it's a nice complimentary um, add-on addition to the therapy that we provide, um, even going into equine therapy, working mm-hmm. with horses and ponies and donkeys. And um, it's something that we saw that the community really needed, especially after COVID. Hey, uh, Shelly, uh, uh, Pat- Patrick is back, and you said that uh, you work with uh, horses and donkeys. Does that include any of our Congress people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring them all over. We'll, we'll help work with them. No problem. <laughs> no, We're all inclusive. I was, I was talking more about the, the donkeys, uh, you know, because most of them are, are asses out there, man. They're not doing the job properly. No. I, oh. My three donkeys are lovers. They're amazing. They're super sweet. They're cuddly. Do they get uh, taxpayer paid health care benefits? They don't. So do they get any money that we bring do they in, get, do they get one hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars a year? I wish they did. That would be a lot of <laughs> easier on my pocketbook then, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so folks, we talk uh, a little bit about how important it is. How how the yeah. great need. There's such a great need for this type of services. Uh, not only in Will County but all over. Talk about the amount of people that you're serving in that area. Yeah, so between Orland Park and New Lenox, we service about, uh, we do about 2,500 sessions a month. Wow. Mm-hmm. That does not include services at the ranch. And if someone uh, so wants to contact you, uh, I see that there's a phone number on your website, 
1-800-242-5678 if you want to, uh, you know, set up a tour, folks. And uh, we are talking with uh, Shelly's cast. And uh, uh, how do you pronounce your last name again, Shelly? Skaz. Repeat that. S-K-A-S, Skaz. Oh, Skaz. Okay. And uh, also mm-hmm. we have got... Uh, Patrick, and uh, Patrick is uh, the program uh, manager, program officer for ABA, Pat O'Malley. Uh, Patrick, thank you again for joining us. The importance of a service like that, what what brought you to start something like this, Shelley? Yeah, so I've been a therapist um, since 2007, and typically therapy is done in a four-walled office, right? And mm-hmm. it's kind of uncomfortable to tell everybody your life problems in a four-walled office because that's not what life is really about. And then when COVID came about, everybody was stuck in the house and mm-hmm. um, stuck to their screens, right? All these electronics. And the communication and the development and the social skills had really changed over the years. So we had seen that our community needed more and the ranch has something that it's able to offer that we weren't able to offer in a typical therapy office. Okay. So, uh, folks, here's the thing, uh, on the, on the lightning strike, we like to bring in and highlight people who are making contributions to society. If you have got anyone that you would like us to, uh, to focus on, please feel free to go to our website, triple W. Ken keeps on telling me, don't say triple W. Okay, it's tlschicago.com for the Lightning Strike Chicago. And, uh, you know, send in a request and we would be happy to host you as a guest or focus on somebody that you would like to highlight. Again, the whole idea is uh, this is a program for the people, by the people, of the people. It's your show. It's not my show or Ken's show or or John's show, folks. And uh, we do need your help to keep uh, the program going, please visit our website again, tlschicago.com, and you'll see a, a, a button to make a small uh, donation to help us pay our expenses over here. And uh, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, cold, snowy, freezing morning. And uh, Dylan, thank you for coming into the studio, man, uh, to man the boards also for us. I was not sure whether Dylan would show up today. <laughs> Stay warm and uh, check on your neighbors. Hey. Yes, Ken. Hey, uh, a really, uh, a really quick uh, point on the ranch. Uh, they actually uh, were the host before Shelley owned the place uh, for one of the Kentucky Derby winners back in the 1940s. Wonderful so, uh, information, Ken. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, folks. And again, uh, you're tuned in to The Lightning Strike. I'm your host, Muhammad Fahim. Over and out. We'll see you next week, Sunday morning, 9 to 10 on WCPT.